Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. Hey. Hey, Soto Cousins. It's your girl, Cola B. Talking, the hostess with the mostess of the Black in the Garden podcast. You are tuned into season four. And all I want to say is... This episode is an indication of this show, Black in the Garden, moving in the direction that was always intended for it to move as we continue to bring you illustrious guests. Very illustrious guests. I'm talking about a media legend who we're getting ready to talk to. But before I get into all of that, before I start standing and 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 geeking out and all that stuff shout out to family all right as you can see by now from the last episode and what you're about to hear in our first segment of season four uh it's a family affair all right you know y'all soil cousins hello how are y'all i hope that y'all are feeling well doing well i'm gonna take a deep breath so I don't get too wound up. I know how I do. And if you've been listening long enough, OG, triple OG soil cousins, then y'all know how I do as well. But Travis taught us, okay, go back to that episode, all right? That we just got to breathe, all right? Every single second does not have to be full. I know this is an audio production. Obviously, it's a podcast, but I want us to just, you know, collectively breathe. Can we do that? You know what I mean? If you're sitting near a plant, you know, if you're tending to your plants, just pay a little extra attention. Just really take it in. Have a reflective and meditative moment. I'm so appreciative to have you tuned in, to have your ears. You could be listening to any other what. Ever like you could be on YouTube, you could be on TikTok, you could be on Clubhouse. Child, it's so many things that your ears could be taking in right now, but you are listening to Black in the Garden, and I am very, very appreciative of that. I'm happy to have you here. You should know by now you a soil cousin if you're listening. By default, default, you a soil cousin. Hello, how are you? Hope you well. But yeah, it's a family affair. It's a dope episode that we're getting ready to take in. So I ain't even going to hold you. I just want to let you know that um, we got some things that you need to, to get into. Uh, you need to get signed up for our email list. All right. Just go to blkinthegarden.com. Get signed up on that email list while you're there. Go ahead and get you some merch. It's really cute. Like it's not everything's quality with us to the best of my ability if I'm bringing you something, it will be quality, all right? So I hope that you feel that. I hope you will feel that. I hope that you will receive that when you place your order on blkinthegarden.com. Buttons, stickers, coasters, wall decals, more to come. I'm trying to get y'all some posters, all right? I know we had t-shirts. We'll get back to that when we get back to that. Still a very, um, very small team making the things happen, but we're making it happen. And I appreciate all the support from our soil cousins. I appreciate all the support from my patrons on Patreon. Support there, you know, while we're talking about support. Hello. Black in the Garden. <laughs> I'm sorry. Patreon.com forward slash Black in the Garden is how you can show your support for the podcast in, in the maintenance of it and the sus sustenance of it. We want to sustain it. Y'all know I know words. I know words. I be knowing words, okay? Uh, but yeah, make sure that you uh, check the episode notes for all the ways that you can support. And as always, rate on Apple Podcasts if you can. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy, child. I don't care. Tell the people that they need to tune in. All right. And check those show notes so that you can, you know, 
you get all those details. There's information about things that were brought up in the show. I know there's some book titles that are listed in the show notes. Uh, there are there's some information about our sponsor. Hello, <laughs> we have a sponsor. We'll you'll hear more about that later on in the episode. You know that's what sponsors do. They sponsor. We we talk about the things. And we definitely have a really dope deal for y'all. With that in mind, shout out to Motherland Essentials. We'll just go ahead and say it. Hey, y'all. Hey, we, we, we official in that capacity. But what is most official is that we black in the garden. And I hope that y'all are really, you know, taking y'all time taking care of these plants and making sure that you're getting hydrated and all that good stuff. The kids, they are back with the chocolate botanist. They got questions, he's got answers. Okay, working title. Let's, we're gonna call it Ask a Botanist for now. Ask the chocolate botanist, you know, if you're if you're into that. But yeah, a whole botanist, you know what I mean? Y'all should know Derek by now, the chocolate botanist, because he has been on the Plant Kiki. You'll hear more from the Plant Kiki on Black in the Garden because I just kind of recognize, you know what? We all need to be doing all the things all at once. That's how you burn out. Don't nobody want to burn out because then everything ends. You know, you start out with good intentions and then you're trying to do the most all the things all the time and then you can't do shit because you literally have nothing left. So uh, in the interest of sustainability, the plant kiki, you'll be hearing more in, in increments here on Black in the Garden. We'll be having a lot more content for you to enjoy. Hey, so let's go ahead and get into the segment, Ask a Botanist with the Chocolate Botanist. And then we'll get right to the interview and we'll have a great show. Y'all are going to enjoy this. Shout out to season four, Perseverance, all the growth and, and all of this that's happening and more to come. Season four, just like summer, baby, hot, lit. Let's go. <laughs> Guess what? We're back. With the kids on this segment of Black in the Garden, now y'all know that the kids were talking with our entomologist friends on season three. So for season four, the kids are back. And who are y'all talking to today? Who's this? Hello, everyone. Tis I, Derek, the chocolate botanist. And I'm here for this segment of Black in the Garden to talk with the chair in a little bit. That's good. I'm I ready. love that. We are very excited to ask you some very important questions about yes. how we engage with plants and how they help us. So, Isis, uh -huh. what do you want to ask first? How do plants help us when we get sick? That is a very good question, Isis. Plants are amazing little factories. And plants, I don't know if you know this, but plants are able to make little presents or gifts or packages that can really help and impact our lives as human beings, right? So when we think of plants being used as medicine, we can think of some of the things that you may use in your everyday life, little children. So, Isis, have you ever had any tea when your throat was hurting? Yeah. Yeah, so tea comes from a plant called camellias. And tea camellias are able to be used, in addition to other plants, other herbs, are able to be used to help impact our bodies. So in the same way that your mom may give you all some type of pill or or salve that'll help you feel good, the plants can do some of the same thing. It's amazing what they contain, what they have inside of them, and how that can help us in our everyday lives. I love that. What are some plants that help us when we get sick? 
I love it. I'm here for a cheering because you know, y'all may not be in sync, but when you are outside of the temperature in your body of 98 degrees, hmm, you feel a little off. Two bands in just one reference is what I be doing. So there are some plants that can help you to get your body stronger and to help you to get what you need to feel better. So when y'all are going to school or you want to play on your little video games, you want to make your little TikToks, you know, and when you're going to do those things, there are different plants that can make you feel better. So one plant that you could use is called mint and mint is in this cool family. You would never even get this, Irie. The plant is in the family called Laminaceae, and that is a fancy word, almost like a, a family name, a last name that groups a plant and a series of plants that are related to it. So you have different plants that are related, like you are related to your brother, your sister, you're related to your mom, like you're related to your cousins, and so on and so forth. So that is one plant. Another plant that can help you to feel better is a plant called garlic. Garlic can help you get real big and strong as far as your immune system is concerned. Your immune system helps you to fight off diseases and junk, right? And it's like Mario trying to fight Zelda in in the games. Am I mixing up my references? He don't Bowser. fight Zelda, y'all sure? Mario's okay. fighting but the garlic is amazing <laughs> because it can help to boost your immune system and garlic and onions. If I'm remembering right, the oil of those plants were used by the Roman soldiers in order to help ease their muscle aches so that way they can go on and fight on and recuperate after a war. Have y'all ever smelled onions before? Yes. Do, 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 would you like to have onion oil rubbed on you? Would you smell good? No. No, but the Romans, they did it. They smelled hot and musty, and they went and did it for the plants and for the people. Is hot. that how they won the war? Because they just made everybody pass out from how funky they were? That's what they did. It reminds me of the episode of He-Man, but the kids wouldn't get the reference. Hopefully some <laughs> of you deep-cut people would. That is amazing. That's a great answer. Thank you. Hey, Soul Cousins, before we get into this interview, I just want to make sure we're ready. Let's do a quick sniff check. <laughs> is that you smelling like outside? Because if it is, I need you to know more about our new sponsor, Motherland Essentials, who is offering you small batch plant-based products for your self-care. I'm talking about beautiful handcrafted soaps with fragrances like teak wood and oatmeal honey. And you can even get an activated charcoal bar for your face to get your face looking like it need to look. Okay. So you definitely want to get down to motherlandessentials.com. It's definitely in the show notes and black in the garden is what you want to put in at checkout to support the podcast, support the podcast support the podcast and get 15% off of your order at motherlandessentials.com. Self-care is essential. We know this. Take care of yourself with high quality products at an accessible price. You're going to get 15% off with the discount code black in the garden. This is for all skin types and for the whole family. We'll see you at motherlandessentials.com. Now let's get on with the show. Thank you for joining us on Black in the Garden. Season four, very excited about that. Excited for many reasons. We have an actual legend on the show, which is like we've talked to icons and legends on Black in the Garden, obviously. And today is no different. We have Ananda Lewis, the TV host, Howard University grad. You she's know. a carpenter. I mean, I've I've done some re a carpenter. I mean, she's just the hosting alone. Just just dropping a couple. BET. Y'all know those of y'all who know y'all know MTV, TLC, even A and E. That's a lot of letters. <laughs> we gonna keep it all straight. <laughs> all them letters. She done hosted the whole damn alphabet. As it turns out, she even interviewed Elmo. Y'all. So she's done it all. Ananda, thank you so much for joining us. A whole media legend. Welcome to Black in the Garden. Oh, 
Oh, Cola, it's so nice to be here. When I heard about what you were doing, when you told me about your podcast, I was like, yeah, I got to do that. This is so unique and so beautiful. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I mean, I could continue to stand fun or whatever, but I'm, I like to think that I'm a pro. You know what I'm saying? I know, like we were saying before yeah. we got started, we've done, this, we've done this a few times. We know we know how to do, do the things. Let's just get right into it with our theme for season four in our opening question being how have plants added value to your life? You know, I remember being a little girl in my grandmother's house, opening up the back door, which was this huge glass sliding door that then had this wrought iron gate sliding door. It was like a, you know, semi-dangerous neighborhood. Not for me. It had evolved. So she put this big iron door because she had a break in and mm-hmm. you'd have to slide both. And then this I mean, as a child, you know, even looking at it as an adult now, when I go back to that house, because my family still owns it, it's massive. But as a child, it was like a field in the backyard, you know? Right. She had four different levels to her yard. So you'd come out on the one and then it went down a little. There was a whole nother level, went down another, and there was a whole nother level. And then you went down and there what? was this whole nother. Yeah, she'd have this massive backyard. Where? And all of it was in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of it was plants. My grandmother had a love of plants that I haven't seen since. And and maybe you have the same. Maybe I'm seeing it now, but uh-huh. I was always blown away at how she could take a clipping from something. We'd literally be riding down the street with her and she'd be like, I love that plant. She would pull the car over, oh. get out, take a clipping, <laughs> hand it to me or my sister, drive home and plant it and before I could even blink, there was the plant in the backyard. She was... That's me. Amazing. That's so... Then now I've met... Say her name. June Powdrill. And she was a master with plants. I mean, and she gave plants as gifts. So every Christmas she would have this planter she would give, and she gave maybe 10 or 15 of them away, Mm -hmm. clippings from her yard, all these plants. She would grow them from like October, like she would start it. So she would get these, you know, really cool little pots. Some of them she would paint herself. She would put the dirt and she put all the clippings she would have us help her sometimes. But, you know, she was also one of those people who was like, listen, I do this better by myself. One of the things I remember her saying was, if you want it done right, do it yourself. So we didn't get to help much Mm -hmm. because we always mess things up as kids. But nobody cooks in the the broth or whatever. Like, y'all stay up out of here. I just like that. Don't touch it. That was the reality of my child. Like, stop. And she taught me how to sew. Now, I don't have the same green thumb, but as a person who watched her, really, she was like a plant whisperer. She could make anything grow. She wasn't into like all the names and stuff, but she knew them when she saw them, right? So I couldn't ask her, what plant is that? She couldn't give me the scientific name. But there were plants everywhere my whole life. Her entire house was filled with plants, almost to a fault. There were more plants than space and furniture. There were plants. So your grandma was the plant lady. That's what we call that in this circle of um, okay. She, well, then, soil yeah. cousins. We we know the plant lady. Plant lady. Plant lady. Plant yes. lady. Most of the times, it is apparent by passing by somebody's house, especially in apartments. Like when you can see the balcony, you're like, oh, you're coming out the window. Obviously, in people's yards, you can tell what the people, especially like whether it's well manicured or not, but just having a lot of plants outside. And you, you like, that's the plant lady. I remember in, in my experience, there was, okay, so I was in North Florida, Jacksonville to be exact. There was a house that had a lot of plants outside. But see, I knew she was like for real, for real about it because when it got to a freezing point where it was like, cover up your plants or bring them in the house, I saw her going out there covering the plants. I was like, oh, she for real about these. So plant lady, Grandma June, that's what you're describing, which we love to hear because this show, obviously, Black in the Garden, that's what we are here for. Okay, shout out to, to all of our soil cousins. Wait, so she was raised in Tulsa, though, and in Tulsa, Oklahoma, yes. she was one of the survivors of the riots in Tulsa, and the, the um, her father was a property owner there, and they ran a store, her mother and father, so, and they survived the uh, Tulsa massacre. Oh. Yeah, she was five, and she says she remembers uh, one of their white friends coming and hiding them under the floorboards in his home. And that's oh how God. they survived. She had seven siblings. Prior to all that, they had this 
big backyard and yeah. they raise their vegetables and foods. And that's how our, our people have always kind Come of done my, for my people anyway, Come grown on, stuff girl. in the backyard. So my grandma grew vegetables and, you know, she inherited all that from her upbringing. It was really a, a trip being raised by this woman who, this is where I get the carpentry love from. This is where I get my love of plants from. Carpentry. Again, I don't have the green thumb. So I do a favor to plants by not trying to own too many because they always <laughs> die in my hair. And I don't know what, the, like, I didn't get that gene. I don't know why, but I feel I like love plants, you know. You'll get there. The few plants that you have, you know, you get to know them well, you master yeah. them, you just grow in confidence yeah. in your green room. You know, what I I'm got saying? something really simple. I got the Philippine, I forget the name of it, but it's that really, the really big kind of wide leaves that are long and yeah. cone shaped, beautiful. And I hug, I hug that plant a lot. That plant is a source you. of joy for me. So I got you. That is really when I was like, you know what? I need to talk to Ananda. I didn't even know that she was a plant girl, but I saw my friend. I saw that and I said, wait a minute now. Well, maybe we could just talk about this a little bit because I mean, you've been on both sides as an interviewer, as an interviewee. And when have you sat down and talked about plants? Not one time. Boom. So it's like, that's why you was like, oh, I'm coming on Black in the Garden. Uh -uh, We're going to talk about this yeah, so something were, different, but that, that. <laughs> see, see, and that's what we're all getting to the name of that plant. And I had to go and look it up because I remember having a conversation on my other podcast, the plant Kiki. It's a great time where we were joking about the name of this plant okay. because we see it oftentimes in what I call indoor landscapes, like at the mall and stuff. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Aglaonema. Something is that like the science name? Chinese evergreen. It's like a Latin term. You know, plants have Latin terms. I joke on this show all the time. I don't do science. <laughs> I like science. I'm just not good at it. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's a part of everything, I guess, because, you know, science or whatever. But at the same time, <laughs> we just hear hugging on them and loving on them and talking about them. That's it. You've inherited an appreciation for plants from Grandma yeah. June. Yeah. You drinking plants, you just showed me your green juice. Yeah. You hugging them and... I've been healed so- by them. A large part of my healing that I've just gone through directly related to plants. I mean, when you look at the pharmaceutical industry, it's bla- it's based on plants. I mean, and that's then- where it begins and then they pervert it. So perverted in a good and way. They- I mean, I, I believe medicine is helpful. So, you know, it, it all, it's all relative. But plants we use plants healing. for everything. I mean, you're right on brand, obviously, because there there's quotes that I've used and that I've put on my Insta and it's all beautiful, but it's so true that plants are making up all parts of our lives. And so as we have veered into the subject of health and, and pharmaceuticals and things, I understand that you have been dealing with, battling, how would you say it, as far as your experience with cancer? Because I... I, I Oh, your experience is yours, and I, I will leave it to you to indicate what it means to you. Thank you. I, you know, the words are interesting to me because I believe words have power. How I have said it over the last two years has, has you know, sometimes I default to, like, the language I know other people understand. I have been diagnosed mm. for this. You know, but I, for myself, really hesitate when I hear myself claiming it because okay. I don't have cancer. My body has malfunctioned in a way that is called cancer by the medical industry, right? But what I am dealing with really working through is simply the malfunction and the malfunction Mm -hmm. of my cells, right? And the particular area of my body, I like being specific about it, has happened because of certain things. Those things are plentiful, actually. I think there are a lot of ways that our bodies malfunction, a lot of reasons our bodies malfunction. And I know I was doing things wrong for myself. I was living in too much stress. I was eating wrong. I was not working out enough and taking care of my body. I wasn't honoring the intelligent machine that I live in in the way that I need to. Part Mm -hmm. of that turnaround for me absolutely began with plants. Like the first thing I did after finding out you know, what was going on in my breast and knowing that I had a tumor I needed to deal with, whether it was called cancer or not, I needed to get rid of this tumor. And one of the first things I did was stop eating all animals and start eating more plants. <laughs> you know, I started juicing That's and, a great start. you know, Vitamixing, I say, because I, when you juice, you lose all the fiber of the plant. That is the most important part <laughs> for you to have. And you know that mm-hmm. your immune system, 80%, 75% is in your intestines. The fiber of plants yes. is... Yeah. 
that helps yeah. move through and keep everything. So I needed to really shift how I was living overall, right? Mm-hmm. But changing my intake of plants had a lot to do with that. And, you know, we have this symbiotic relationship with them, you know, I mean, you know, they I was ask oxygen, you about that. we breathe oxygen, oh. we, breathe, we breathe out carbon, what, dioxide or carbon, yeah, it's carbon dioxide, they breathe what? carbon. So there's you know, this obvious relationship, right? <laughs> Say it again, I missed it. I said, you know, we don't do science. We've established this. <laughs> this is it's simple one science. Of, one of the carbons. One of the carbons. One of, ask me one if I would, them. If you would ask me we, before we that test, breath. <laughs> that's it. That test that we took in, in high school at some point, if you would have asked me the night before, I could have told you. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Minute after? We just, oh it's gone. It's gone. But absolutely, the this, this symbiotic relationship, wow, we're just, we're getting there. We're going there. So I remember you mentioned that your grandmother helped you to understand that. Grandma June, once again, we speak her name. She really helped you to appreciate the symbiotic relationship that we have between plants. The cornerstone of life as humans is that we cannot live without plants. We can't. We can appreciate them ornamentally in landscapes and in the houseplants and things and, and hug our, our aglaonemas, however you want to say it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we need to eat them. You know, if we're if we're just relying mainly on like meat and crackers, I don't know, bread, then right. but then again that's even that's even plant. You know, what's bread? Plant. It's wheat. You know, it's right. coming from some source of a plant. So when it comes to the experience with cancer, you had options, the traditional route. And oh, yeah. no shade to anybody who has gone the traditional route or we ain't shaded nobody. We are no, here no. to talk about Ananda's experience. Did you consider that? Like, what was that like for you at the introduction there and, and um, that decision? It wasn't my first go round with just hearing all the things that needed to happen that I was being told that I should do because my mom battled breast cancer in probably like 14 years ago. And I went through that whole process with her and her chemo and she made her choices, right? She decided to go the route that her oncologist and her doctor at the time were telling her was what they believed was the best way to do it. And mm-hmm. I really do honor and respect everybody's choices in this, right? As I expect mine to be honored and reciprocated in that because you can't define for somebody what they're willing to undergo. I feel like having watched what my mom went through, knowing other friends and people in my family who've gone through the same thing, I knew what to expect there, right? What I chose to do was probably, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times, but it was way more in terms of an undertaking and how much I was responsible for doing. It was way Mm. more difficult in terms of being responsible for it, right? Not harder in terms of going through it. It's all hard. But I literally had to do everything different. And almost everybody I've seen go the conventional route because conventional isn't embracing the body's own ability to do something about what's going on, right? To heal itself. Your intake, right. Yes. Your intake being important. They're not asking you to change anything. I sat there in my oncologist's office in, you know, March of 2019 and heard all the rounds of chemo he wanted me to get and heard all the radiation he said I might need and heard that the double or single mass, definitely single mastectomy, but maybe double was necessary and asked him, well, okay, how did I get here though? Like, what do I do differently? How do I eat differently? What do I do differently in my body? He was like, oh, food has nothing to do with this. And I'm no, like, he didn't. Ah, I'm sorry. Tell that what to a, a disconnect. So don't tell diabetics stop eating sugar. Food has nothing to do with it. Like that, it was ridiculous to me. And I'm not at all, you know, listen, obviously I'm not a doctor. So maybe he knows something I don't know. But what I know better than him is my body because I've lived in this body my whole life. And what I know better than him is what I am capable of and willing to do, you know, and what is possible. And I feel like it's important to remember that doctors are amazing and they're amazing people. (laughs) They are people, (laughs) you know, they know what they know and that's what they know. What they don't know is nutrition. Most doctors have not, have only taken two nutrition classes in their entire medical school history. Mm. Like that's not required of them because that's not what they do. Okay. That's fine. Mm. Right. But I can only really understand what my full choices are if I'm looking at the entire picture. I can't look at what one person says and say, okay, that's it. That's all I have available to me. Because I know that's not true. 
And because I'd gone through with my mom and started doing a lot of the research about what else is possible, right? Back then with her and and now 14 years later, so much more information is available. I knew I had the ability to do something. Now, I would never say that if my life depended on it, I wouldn't do these extremely radical options that I was given. I can't say that. I just know that I didn't feel like my life depended on it at the time. I didn't have a fast spreading cancer. This tumor in my breast had been growing for at least six or seven years. I mean, at the size it was when I found it, these things are slow growing. The one I had was slow growing and was yes, big at the time, but had been doing this. So I looked at it as this has been growing and I've been fine. (laughs) You know, like there's no emergency here. In my mind, there wasn't an emergency. In their minds, there absolutely was. And I think that's one thing that happens to women in my situation, especially women who look like me in my situation. We don't get educated enough. We have a lot of fear put on us very quickly. And we start to get forced and pushed with a lot of force toward this handle it quickly, do it now. We got to jump on it. And I get that but I don't believe that's always the case. You know, what I would say is you need to know what's going on with your own body and make choices that work for you that you can live with. I wasn't just worried about living forever. Nobody's living forever. I was worried (laughs) about my quality of life, right? If you start cutting me up and burning me and poisoning me and undoing my entire body and my life, what does that leave for me to live. And how much harder is that route really because of the, what you have to do to recover from all the damage, just the treatment has done. Like the cancer didn't do all that damage to me, but the treatment would have. And that's how I was looking at it. So again, I think people have to choose things that they can live with. And for me, the alternative and really integrative, I will say it started as alternative and it shifted into integrative because I did do a little bit of targeted insulin potentiated and genetically matched chemotherapy, but I did it at about 10%. So I had no side effects. It was very effective for killing the actual cancer cells because it was tested. They knew that this particular poison would do the job we wanted it to do. I think poison is necessary, but what kind and how much and how do you like all of that matters. So it's been an interesting evolution for me, Cola, because I was really dead set against it in the beginning and my body started to shift and do things differently. And I said, okay, well, I've taken a year and a half to do this the way that I wanted to do it. COVID happened. Everything I was doing in the alternative world, like hyperbarics Mm. and vitamin C's, all that stuff shut down and my tumor got bigger. So I was like, well, I got to be realistic about this, right? Yeah. Let's see what else I can do. So I went away for 16 weeks and got really specialized treatment. Uh, and I believe I'm good now, but I'm still waiting on a, a final PET scan to, to tell me if I am or not. But I feel fantastic. You look fantastic. It's like you're aging in reverse or something. I mean, you're an icon for me Girl. coming up. And, you know, we ain't going to get into all the age of everything. I'm not even going to ask for no numbers or nothing. Like, and I'm not revealing oh, the numbers. Listen, it's on Google. Well, I'm going to lie. For That's it. fine. But, you know, I'm 48 in two weeks. 48 on plants versus 48 on crack look a whole <laughs> lot different. <laughs> burgers and fries. Oh, burgers and fries. I mean, crack, that was quite a leap. I, I really did that. I mean, it is. It's drugs, though. The, those foods create drugs in your body. It's not that far of a leap, actually. See, and Chemical then... reactions. So one of the things that you indicated is that poison is necessary in some instances. And what came up for me when you said that is like, just consider the biodiversity of it all and all the plants that are in existence. Even that very plant that you were hugging, I don't know if you knew this, but it's poisonous. To eat it. Yeah, obviously. Yes, to eat it. And, you know, even just considering the way that certain animals have poisons in them to protect themselves. Yes. So I love that you brought that up. That just made me feel like, ooh, nature, science. Oh, okay, we do know. Well, you know, I think what's in wheat that human beings have such a hard time with is a poison that the plant uses to protect itself. I mean, all living things have a built-in survival mechanism, right? Nothing wants to get eaten, (laughs) okay? Absolutely. If you are evolved, which plants have been here way longer than us, they're evolved beyond us, I believe. They have built systems to protect themselves with. That's a a normal, natural thing. I would say that that's why we need to study plants more to understand which ones are for us to eat and aren't for us to eat because we're slowly poisoning our bodies every day or not based on what we're putting in them. And that's a very real thing. I lived that firsthand. 
a very real thing. Even going through treatments I, with the different eating plans and diets they put me on for different reasons, like doing keto, I could feel the difference in my body when I wasn't able to intake as many plants as I was intaking before. Like there's a reaction, oh. you know, because there's we're electrical bodies and beings. Our bodies are batteries. So if you're not charging your battery, Ooh. then you're using the charge in your battery, right? And so you yeah. have to understand what things charge you and what things don't. See, the body, our bodies, this this whole human meat sack, as some would call it, yeah. that we live in, is a very complicated and intricate, and it's a very interesting, especially as women, considering oh. that we are able to give birth, considering that there's system, like, we don't have to think about breathing, for example. Right. We do have to think about whether or not we're going to smoke whatever, you know, or how we're going to treat our lungs so that they can function and we don't have to struggle in order to breathe. That reminds me because, you know, I did I did a little deep dive. I was like, "Hmm, let me see if we can talk about a few things that, you know, like (laughs) the smoking. Tell us about your experience with smoking and how you quit. I started smoking when I was 17. Mm -hmm. One of my best friends from childhood, I'd been, you know, we've been tight since five or six years old. Oh. And she, we smuggled her back into the state because her mother had made her leave. We, I mean, we were, listen, I'm, I know I'm about to get it back to my child. I'm like, I'm just bracing myself because I was horrible <laughs> as a teenager. I was so smart though and like knew how to do things. So anyway, I, I'm in for it. But my mom had, oof, my mom, my poor mama. So we struck, we, we smuggled my friend and bought her when you could still buy airline tickets online. And I had to meet up with some man in a parking lot with cash and he gave me a physical Shit. airline ticket. Yeah. And then I mailed oh. that physical airline ticket to her because there was nothing on the computer. So we had to trade physical tickets. I mailed her that ticket. She flew in. I picked her up from the airplane. I must've been, uh, I must've been just almost 17. I wasn't even 17 yet. And she got off the plane and lit up a cigarette. And this was like my childhood bestie. And I was, you know, I was stressed out. I went through a lot as a teenager, some of it self-imposed, some of it because I had no uh, real parental supervision after we moved out of my grandma's house. My mom was a single mom. She was, you know, mm-hmm. in the struggle like most single moms are. You don't have, you can't do everything. You're one person. So she couldn't be there for me and be at work all day. And so after school, I would be wilding out because nobody knew where I was and there was no cell phones. And so it was that era, right? Like no cell phones. Yeah, you could get away with it. It was fine dudes in fancy cars. It, anyway, it was a mess. Okay. I had a lot of stress. My friends like, (laughs) smoke this, right? Peer pressure. Up until that point, I had never smoked anything, but she handed me a cigarette. It was a regular camel. It was Marlboro Reds. Was she black? Yeah. I just have this theory, and we'll just go with me. It's it's nonsensical. Well, she was, you know, blended, but yes. See, but I have a theory about the brands of cigarettes that people choose based on their economic. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. People commonly associate hoodness with Newport. Yes, like, so. like Newports. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So when you say Marlboro, it makes me think about like a particular type of white person. So that's <laughs> that. But <laughs> like a cowboy. <laughs> that as well. But you know, there's types that everybody I know it's not just me that associate. No, Stereotypes come from somewhere. Don't they? Let's not get too far off track just based on a cigarette brand. We shouldn't even be calling these names out like that. I know. Let's uh, not advertise them. She handed me a cigarette. Yes. I lit it up. I inhaled it. And I'll tell you, like, again, it's tobacco. It's a plant, right? But all the other Once chemicals again. they add into it, there is an absolute addiction that happens. Mm. And after that first pull, I felt that stuff flood my body and I was hooked. You remember that I didn't feeling? stop smoking for 14 years. Oh my God. But I just, I'm amazed that you remember how that felt. And I love that, by the way, of course, because Black in the Garden, that you indicated it's a plant. It is it's a, a plant. plant. Wow. And one of the years. one of the plants that has been smoked for the longest, tobacco and marijuana, I mean, tobacco and cannabis, yeah. the two main plants that have been smoked since people started smoking. So yeah. I just think that it's evolved because of how, industry has impacted it and how chemicals have been added and having this, I hear there's like ground up glass and certain things. You hear all these things, who knows, but I do know, I do understand the damage that it does to your body. And, but you know, it was how I dealt with my stress. Mm -hmm. I was never a person who ate away my stress. Mm -hmm. I was after giving birth to my son, but back then I was a person who smoked away my stress. And then as I grew, I added drinking on top of that. So I was a drinker and a smoker, managing stress and and dealing with life like that for a pretty long time. 
Let's just pause for a second because I, no, you know, I introduced you at the beginning. I, yeah, obviously, I introduced you at the beginning, and of course, you know, those of you who know, you know that Ananda has interviewed all the people. She's been on all the letters, on the BETs, the MTVs, and the X, Y, and Zs. <laughs> so you are not living a particularly normal life. Let's just give you a little bit of grace for that. You wanted to smoke a cigarette. I'll take it. Stressful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So and so not talking or whatever and the listen, dating I think it's interesting like, how we try to shame like people. Yeah. yeah. We try to shame people for things that we have people in our families right in the next room doing, right? I think it's interesting how we I say this because I hid this for so long because mm-hmm. I recognized what people thought of me based on what they saw of me. And I was careful not to show the things that I think they wouldn't have liked, right? I was actually very much raised as a, a a pleaser in terms of do what you're told to do and you won't get in trouble. Like keep the people around you and authority happy. My grandmother was an amazing woman. She also beat my ass repeatedly because she felt like I needed it. And yeah. there was always that fear of, oh my God, what, what if they find out? Oh my God, what if, you know, what That's if they knew? That's a real thing. Oh yeah, I lived that with pleasing. a lot of hiding mm-hmm. my whole life. Absolutely. So wasn't a big deal for me to keep that from, I wasn't going to like walk on the, on TV and smoke. You know what I mean? I <laughs> felt like smoking was a horrible habit. It was a gross habit. I knew that, but I couldn't stop because I, I was chemically addicted. That is so real because one of the, in my opinion, and, and many I'm sure will agree with me, considering your time on Teen Stomach, you were definitely in direct alignment with being a role model. Yeah. You were absolutely a role model for some. And I believe that you embraced that. I'm not sure I've ever heard you specifically indicate that you considered yourself to be a role model, but at the very least, having a wholesome image And not wanting to have anybody be thinking, oh, you know, I want to be. So I get that. So like I I said, young girls like that. I didn't even want to be a smoker. You didn't Um, even want to be a smoker. No. I mean, there were mornings I got up and I was like, oh my God, I don't even, like, I want to stop. I tried to quit smoking five times cold turkey. Didn't work. I think what we don't understand about addiction is that it's no longer you in control of it. And so as strong of a person as I know myself to be and as disciplined as I am and all that didn't matter because that cigarette chemical had its claws in me, right? And so I couldn't not smoke even when I didn't want to. And then whenever stress would spike, now I had to deal with it some kind of way. And my health was suffering. I used to catch bronchitis a lot because I was compromising the health of my lungs, I think. And then, so then anything you're, you know, you're exposed to, your body's more susceptible to it because you've lowered your immune system with all the DNA damage that the smoking does, but also, you know, your lungs are damaged. And so I felt like there were so many negative effects of the smoking and I just kept hiding them. I just kept hiding them. I just kept hiding them. It wasn't something that I wanted to deal with. I felt like I also was celibate for a while in those years. And that was something I talked about because I felt like Mm -hmm. young women needed to understand that they didn't have to give in to that pressure. They needed to see somebody who they were looking at say, no, well, she's doing it so I can do it. So that was important for me to share. There was like a, a, let me be clear that it was a short period of time, right? So yes, it was about six months, right? right. But smoking, I just felt so embarrassed and ashamed that I didn't have any control over it and that I couldn't Mm -hmm. stop. I was one of those people that would, you know, go around the back of the building. I was in some really shady places because I needed to have a cigarette. I've held a lot of shame about that. But here we are today being all transparent and just talking about it. Cause it's like, it happened. I'm good. I moved on. The plant saved me. You can survive it. (laughs) You can survive it. But see, we started off asking or discussing how plants have added value to your life. But we could safely say that that plant or that situation, but you know, the tobacco of it all. Yeah. Took away some value from your life. Took away time from my life too. Cause I spent Mm. a lot of, hiding and sneaking around to have a cigarette when, you know, I'd walk out of parties with Prince trying to have a cigarette behind a building. Like, what the hell am I doing? It didn't matter to me. I needed to go smoke. People who smoke know that, oh, it's an addiction. It's a very real addiction. I dealt with it. Yeah. Oh, so see, you know, nothing can stop you when you want to go have a cigarette. You will figure out a way. Let me tell you, because I was very much aware of this, having been a child of the D.A.R.E. program, <laughs> I, got, I still the got the D.A.R.E. program. The D.A.R.E. <laughs> program, they made us, 
write something, sign something, say a pledge, sing a song, do a dance, all that stuff. Like, we're not going to do drugs, whatever the acronym stands for. Here's how I handled my nicotine or cigarette or whatever situation. What I would do would be I would limit it because I've always been like pretty cerebral about how I deal with things that I know could. It's like kind of like playing with fire, dancing with yes. it. So I was like, eh, I'll just smoke like a little bit. You know, like maybe I'll just smoke half or if I would have a pack because I didn't smoke like Newports or nothing like that. I would smoke like the little clove cigarettes that I started, you know, the little black ones. Oh, my God. I used to start that in college. I loved clothes. You know what I'm saying? And so it's Did just you get them it, at the little Indian shop. I would get them in the hood store, like the bodega type of situation. Yeah, oh, bodegas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because they, they got more popular after a while. And uh, once upon a time, I was a trucker. Some some people know this. I'm I'm pretty sure you don't know this because we haven't got that. accidents like that. Yeah, Is and he so really trucker, trucker. Yes, coast to coast. And what? my main source to keep me alert was yeah. actually ice. I would just crunch ice. I love ice, especially crunched, crushed ice, honey, don't get me started. But smoking, it would be like, okay, so I wouldn't do it all the time. You know what I'm saying? I would just, whenever I would run out of a pack, I wouldn't immediately go get another pack. But uh-huh. if I should, I would only let myself do that two or three times in sequence. And then I would have to stop for at least a few days or a week or something like Interesting. that. I tried to stay ahead of it because the theory that I had was very much like the sum is addiction, but it's oh. like a particular type of emotion and repetition. And you connect this behavior to that and that hmm. equals addiction. That was my theory. I would also be aware of like when I felt sad or excited or whatever. So I would try to do it when I felt very neutral. Yeah. It's like, I'm a Virgo. so so interesting. You were really trying to, yeah. Meanwhile, as soon as I got halfway in the pack, I had another one on standby. I was like, oh, I ain't running out. Because I couldn't send anybody to go buy me cigarettes. Like, Mm. I was real... Yeah, I was cryptic about oh, it. I get it. Yeah, you was just hiding behind the bushes because you was like, listen, I'm a role model. I can't have these girls out here. Uh-uh, we not finna do that. I also can't quit. So what am I gonna do? So when I did mm-hmm. end up quitting, it that. was in 2005, and it was one hypnotherapy session. Dang. All those cold turkeys I tried and all the, you know, buy a pack, smoke one, throw it away, so I'm wasting money, so I'm punishing myself, so I might quit. None of that work. Oh. Hypnotherapy, one session. It was an hour and a half session. It was amazing. The visuals that he planted in my brain that replaced the, I mean, I guess when you figure out how it all works, it's very sciencey, so I won't get into it. But basically he plucked out the old visuals and put in new visuals and and guided me through doing it. I shouldn't say he did it. He guided me through doing it. It Mm -hmm. I never felt like I turned my brain over to somebody and I was like hopping around like a dog. But, you know, he guided me through doing it. I found the place. He plucked it, replaced it. And literally, I I asked him to make me physically nauseous when I smoked a cigarette, when I tried so that I had a physical barrier. I really wanted to quit. And he did. And I had cigarettes in the car when I was done. Oh, my goodness. Had to throw them away. Nauseous. Literally almost threw up. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Never smoked again. Wow. I love that. It's funny to me, there's two things. First, there's, you kind of alluded to this standard idea of uh, hypnosis that we all have, which is like mm. the thing in front of your face and yeah. you're barking like a dog or crawling on the floor or whatever. <laughs> you know, there's like an episode of so many, especially from the 90s, those shows. I remember even on Martin. Oh my yeah, God, I, I remember on Martin. <laughs> I remember Pam specifically. That was hilarious. The other thing is for black people, especially get out really messed up hypnosis for us. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> that teacup. And we're just like, we're not, we don't do I'm that over here. Doing that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go to the sunken place. So there's <laughs> that, but like, and, and then in, in my experience, I can say that I was open to the concept of hypnosis. My experience with with hypno, I didn't ever get hypnotized, but I had a a natural birth with my soon-to-be nine-year-old daughter. And I I considered at home. I had a home birth. We had it was a water birth. Oh my gosh! 
I didn't yes. get to the water, but yes, you took I mean, home birth. But still a home birth, which is just like a whole that's a whole other podcast. Oh, you know, yeah. shout out to Homecoming. I know that's the name of, of one of them. But oh my goodness. So we considered hypnobirthing. That yeah. concept, it was interesting, but you know, we ended up not going with that. But I was open to it. I just want to yeah. relate to you in that way. But yeah, the okay, brain is so, an amazing place. You know, isn't it amazing? Get in there and do things. Yeah. And you mentioned keto and weight loss, and I couldn't not get into the point that you wanted to get your booty to a certain kind of level. I mean, because we're black women, so there's a certain type of pride that we have in our asses before it was fashionable. That's right. Yeah. Because we couldn't do nothing. I mean, you know, I needed to embrace it, and I finally did. Connect the plants with your experience with weight loss and booty gains? Well, <laughs> again, like, we talk about the body being this battery, you know, we're a battery surrounded by flesh. So for me, I always believed, I think we all have bought into this idea because it's been so prevalent that you need meat to have protein, right? You need protein, you gotta eat some meat, you gotta eat some meat, you gotta eat some meat. True. The only time I felt like I had to depend on meat recently was having to eat a bit of buffalo because when I was in treatment in Arizona, my red blood cells dropped pretty low mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have a blood transfusion. And they gave me a little bit of time to figure out getting it up. And they were like, I mean, it's low. So, you know, yeah. I did acupuncture and I was told to eat buffalo and it came up in two days. So I definitely experienced like, again, I'm, I'm not a black or white thinking person. I, I live in the gray area because depending on what the situation is, Things are necessary, right? Mm. And depending on who we're talking about, things are necessary. There's always room for the wiggle for me. Like I understand other people's experiences well, I think, because I've had so many of my own experiences and I understand that you have to handle things the way you have to handle them. So I am not a vegan who downs meat eaters. I have been a meat eater, right? Today I'm a vegan because that's what works for me today. But I don't want to be so rigid in my thinking that I am not capable of adjusting and adapting to something that may work for me tomorrow just because of my own stubbornness, right? Yeah. So I say all that to say that the research that I've done anyway, and and every time I go into something, so going into veganism, I researched it, right? There is more protein in lentils than there is in a steak. You can eat a cup of lentils and have as much, if not more protein than in an eight ounce sirloin. So I think Mm. it's all about information, right? And it's all about understanding that our bodies organically want plants. That's what we want. When you think about our ancestors, the plants were right there. The meat you had to go run and chase and kill and prep and do, right? There's a yeah. process that goes into getting meat just for our ancestors. Right it now is. we go to the store and we buy it. But yeah, yes, but, that. Right. But, but they had to run after it. Primitively. Right. Mm-hmm. But the plants right there. So and, easy to get. And that to me means something. It means this is what you should have because it's what's easiest. It's what's right here. If I can just go pick an apple, I don't have to chase a gazelle. I'm good with that, right? But then understanding Mm. that you do have nutrients you need for this battery. You have certain things the battery needs to be charged up and to function well. When I started looking into all that, you also get all those from plants and many of those you don't get from meat. So there are some essential nutrients, B12, I supplement a lot of the B vitamins, actually uh, B vitamins I supplement. And you have to combine certain foods together uh, in such a way to get like a complete protein that your body can really use. So there are definitely things to understand about it. I think a lot of people go vegan and they do like French fries and lots of bread and, and they find themselves nutrient deficient because that's yeah. not the healthiest eating, no matter what style of eating you're eating, right? <laughs> like, you know, you have I to have two fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And I and love you mentioned that. That reminds me of Supernova Slum as the advocate of veganism to the hood is yeah. what he likes to call it. I can't think of the specific Queen term. Queen son. Yes, yes. So shout out to, to them because they've made remarkable strides in, in educating those of us For in decades. our decades. I had her book in high school. See, boom. And then I remember reading her book and she was referring to uh, the work that he was doing and the the terms that he was coming up with. And you just reminded me of the term chlorophyllian that Mm. he uses where I remember specifically, he was like, yo, you can't just live off of the white stuff, meaning the starches and the breads and all of that. If you can be vegan, you know, and I call it veggie centric, just in the whole concept of 
understanding that plants really need to be the main thing that you're nourishing. Yes. And also like speaking to what you said, which I love about that gray space, which is, listen, sometimes you just got to have a little buffalo. You know what I mean? It, but <laughs> primitively, we were definitely omnivores anyway. So right. it's not like veganism is just the way that we all were existing. No, so, we weren't. Right. So there's all of that. So but when you think about that, think about mm-hmm. how little meat we had, even when we were omnivores, our main diet still consisted of the easiest thing to get because the mm-hmm. challenge of getting the meat was still, you know, prohibitive. And you may not, the, the grazing patterns and all that, like you may not have access to meat, but you always had access to tubers and vegetables and fruits, depending on the season would determine what particular ones they were, but they were always available unless there was famine or drought, you know, I mean, that kind of yeah. stuff is completely separate, but all intents and purposes, everything's all fair and the, the things are growing well in the ground. You have access to all that stuff easily. So I think there is a lot to be said for following the laid out kind of pattern of our mm-hmm. ancestors. And yes, they ate meat, but it was in very small quantity. They did not eat meat every day. And there would yeah. be months that would go by. They couldn't get meat, but they always ate vegetables and fruits. That's it. And you know, one other thing that came up for me is a plant is not going to potentially maim you. You go and catch whatever this gazelle is and they can buck on you. And then what you going to do? Eat vegetables, girl. You could get real hurt. A buffalo? Over a burger. No. I do so that. shout out to our ancestors for, for doing all that. Because you Take know, <laughs> we just go, they walked, I mean, they ran so that we could fly. Because, <laughs> ma'am, I'm not going, I'm not going out there for them, but I don't have to. First world no, problem. They ran so we could go through a drive through is what. <laughs> is that going to be the name of this episode? <laughs> Okay, so let's go I back. Know, to- I would never eat meat if I had to kill it myself. I just know I wouldn't. That wouldn't happen. I could, I would do eggs. Like I would do things that didn't require me bludgeoning to death an animal. Chicken. But I, yeah. Fish. I would okay. do fish probably. That's a little easier the catching. And yeah, maybe fish. But I, I wouldn't do anything that bled because I'm not interested in having that experience. That's just- it. Yes, let's just put it all into perspective because I'm with you. I'm not chasing them down either. I could be tending to my garden while I'm out here chasing something. Child, we're not doing that. I want to talk a little bit more about your grandma June before we I love talking about her. Because when you told me about her, I mean, you told me just a little bit about her, but it was enough to really pique my interest. And one of the things that you mentioned is that she talked to plants. She did. (laughs) Do you talk to yours? (sighs) Yes, I do. And listen, I know that living things can communicate. All living things communicate. Whether or not you understand their language is the big gap, right? All living things communicate. And Mm -hmm. you see plants communicating with each other. There's visuals of that. There was a street I was on, I think it might've been DC, but the whole street was just covered with this canopy of beautiful trees and they started growing together. That to me, that growing together, communication is happening. It's not random. That is happening on purpose, right? And when things happen on purpose, that to me says there's communication. There's some form of intelligent communication that's going on where one side is telling the other side what is happening, or at least they're agreeing on something to happen because we know it happened. So that's how I look at it. And every time I see these beautiful tree trunks that will twist around each other and grow together, like they were communicating. (sighs) There is love there. There is like, to me, it's so obvious. And my grandmother used to tell me how she would go out in her yard and start pulling weeds when she was frustrated. That was her form Ooh. of, I guess it was her form of smoking because <laughs> she was definitely <laughs> smoking. I mean, I grew up in a house where she's like, never smoke. So there I feel. But she would go out there and start pulling the weeds and yelling about whatever was going on and verbalizing. She probably cussing people out, yelling, pulling those weeds and get her frustrations out. You know, she was a woman who was just very able to speak her mind. Like she never had a problem doing that, but she was also not very confrontational with certain people. She was very confrontational with other people now that I'm thinking of it, but she would have to get out and she would just take it to the garden. You know what I'm saying? So mm, take I saw her out on the weeds. Yeah. And the last two years of her life, when I left television to take care of her, when she, you know, her health started to decline and ultimately failed her, I got to spend those last two years of her life with her. And we spent 
I mean, hours and hours and hours during every day that she was able to get up and go outside in that same backyard that I grew up in. And, you know, I would watch her as a kid out there. But then in this situation, taking care of her, I was now an adult who could take her out there and experience it with her. And I absolutely understood firsthand how and why she loved these plants so much because they loved her too. And Yay. they gave her something, you know, something intangible, something you can't quite describe, but it's very real. And she would come back from interacting with them fully recharged. You know, it could have been the oxygen. It could have been, I think she it was, was just the love. I she mean, was we're, recharged. We're, she was, yeah, we, we're all living things, living on this planet together. And there is a relationship. And I think when you lean into that relationship, you benefit from it so yeah. incredibly much. There is a book that I will link in the show notes, but or there's information. The concept yeah. of plants communicating with each other is, is certainly a thing, but trees do specifically communicate with each other underground like through their roots, which is really amazing. When I first found out about that, I was just like, yes, that's amazing. All the more wow. trees. And then as far as your grandmother coming back rejuvenated, another thing that I love that I got to learn just in in all of the, the research of the plants and things on the show is how soil has emotional health benefits. Soil is living. There's a difference uh-huh. between dirt and soil. Yeah. Dirt is dead. Soil is living oh. and has so many organisms in it. And those organisms, just in sticking your hands in it or walking around barefoot, have actually antidepressive properties. So yes, grandma was, was she barefoot in the, out in the garden? She had on slippers usually. She wasn't barefoot, okay. but she had her hands in the dirt all the time. Her nails were just, uh, she was in the dirt See? all the time. Yeah, it's she the, loved it. It was the soil. I'm telling the soil connects us. Wow. Soil cousins. Okay. I mean, because you've been teaching me some stuff. So I'm like, let me just, let me just throw on something, <laughs> a few facts back at you. So Thank I'm asking you. I love that. Makes so much sense. And you're going to be like, oh yeah, you're going to be pontificating on this as you are thinking back and just reminiscing on Grandma June. And I wanted to mention one of the previous episodes, which was setting intentions with plants, where I had a conversation with one of our soil cousins, West, and we got into, I always am referring people to this episode because what we discussed on that episode is how you can set an intention, write it on a piece of paper and put it in your plant. And that's kind of one way of considering the concept of manifesting. I'm what writing I'm, that down. You can write Grandma June's name on that plant that you love to hug. Yeah. On the pot. And you can honor her in that way. So we discussed that concept as well. I know, I know, right? You're like hugging yourself just thinking about it. So, okay. My closing question. What is something that you wish all Black people knew about plants? That they can heal you and heal your life. Not just heal your body, but heal your heart. (sighs) That there is real energy to receive from them. And also that they require you to love on them to thrive. And it's so beautiful to me how it all makes everything make sense. Like you look at the structure of plants and the life of plants, you look at the structure of children and the life of children. You look at your own life, your own heart, your own energetic life as well, your spirit, your all of that. And it all kind of blends together. And and when you ignore a part of it, you remove that part's ability to benefit you. So I think that especially because of our traumatic history with this particular nation, we have in some ways shunned plants, right? To be forced to interact with plants by picking cotton, by by being the farmers of the nation for so long for free under threat of death and punishment and pain. Like all of that scars a people in a certain Mm -hmm. way. And I think one of the things that I've noticed that it might have done to us and and certain ones of us, because clearly you and your community have superseded and overcome this, but the trauma... Yes, the trauma Mm -hmm. and tragedy of losing our love of plants because we were forced to work with plants, Mm. I think is something we need to focus on undoing because we are so connected to them and they help us so much that we do ourselves a disservice by not being able to really live in that connection and really magnify it and and let it blossom. (laughs) Blossom. Come on, blossom. I really wish we could undo in our own reality right now a lot of that damage and just get right back to where we were. I mean, we were the original farmers. Plant keepers. (laughs) 
Yeah, we are the cultivators and healers and medicine people. And, you know, I mean, all of it. I I remember working with herbs in high school because I got really into it. Oh my gosh, I have that book somewhere. Layla O Africa. This is the book I was talking about. Oh, that's it. But what I had in high school was a very early version of this. It wasn't this one. It was her other book. These two books, the other one that I can't quite see in here and her book were so pivotal for me in learning about herbs. I used to have this list of all these herbs I had. I had glass, I would save um, the glass snapple bottles because I I knew not to store herbs plastic. So I would save save the glass Snapple bottles, clean them out and fill them with herbs. So I had a whole shelf in my mom's house growing up of all these herbs. And I would like make teas and do different things. And somehow along the way, I kind of lost touch with that. Just keeping like, you know, moved around a lot. Like you were talking about, it's hard to take anyway, but in high school, I was so into, yeah, I was Mm -hmm. so into like healing myself with herbs. And so, you know, they've meant a lot to me for a long time. Everything that we have discussed and that we have shared and that we have learned, I hope, Soil Cousins, that you have been enriched and inspired. And Ananda, tell us how we can contribute to or or keep up with any of your kind of charities or... So my next big project, my personal passion project is being able to um, gift all these, I have about maybe 20, 25 women that that have gotten in touch with me since me sharing what was going on, encouraging women to get mammograms and um, who are fighting breast cancer. And Mm. what I know from communicating with them via email and, and Zoom sometimes is that they want to follow a more alternative approach, even if they've chosen full conventional, there are things that they can do for themselves, like the FAR infrared saunas detoxing, like um, mm. like having a Vitamix and instead of juicing, blending, because then you keep all the fiber in your vegetables and fruits. By doing all these different things that, that I've had the blessing of having access to because of the financial ability to have access to them. And I fully and firmly believe that we have enough money in our community that financial reasons should not prevent us from having the care that we need, especially when it has nothing to do with the medical community. We aren't, you know, dependent upon them for everything, especially when it has nothing to do with insurance. If you can purchase like the FAR infrared sauna, the Vitamix, the rebounder, all these things that I have, these women would be able to more profoundly and dramatically influence their health. So my plan is to use all this footage I have from my own journey, share it as a private content option on on an app that I'm putting out in a couple of weeks, if I can get all this editing done, and use that money to then purchase these, I call it Kick Breast Cancer's Ass Toolkit. It's these huge toolkits. It includes the sauna, it includes the Vitamix, it includes includes all, there's probably like 10 things that I use here at home that Mm -hmm. have changed everything for me. And I want to gift these women these huge care packages, but they're probably like five or $6,000 each care package. So my intention is to raise the funds to do that for all these women. And then however many more women I can do it for in this year by having subscriptions to my private content. So I'll be, you know, doing a big post about that on Instagram in a couple of weeks. And um, I really want it for my birthday. People are always like, what do you want for your birthday? I want you to help me help other women. That is my passion. That's what I would like for your help doing. And it's like five bucks, you know, it's like five bucks a month. So it's not that much. But when we pool our money, it's like GoFundMe. If a thousand people gave Mm -hmm. five bucks, you got, you can cover it, you know? So, um, yeah, that's my goal. That's my goal. And I'll tell you, I'll send you a direct, you know, kind of email about that when I have it up and ready. Cause it's not up and ready yet, girl. I'm still, I'm still in here working. (laughs) So I will share the links for our soil cousins to be able to, you know, follow along with you in that journey and to contribute when that becomes the appropriate time to do so. So you all just check the episode notes. There'll be links and there'll be whatever you need so that you can contribute to helping women to handle, get a handle holistically on uh, their cancer. And wow, that I cannot wait to see how that all goes out. I wish you the best on that. Of course, we're rooting for you. We're rooting for you. Get it? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And concluding our episodes, I just always wish all my guests love, light, and soil. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for having me, Koa. 